Hello and welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. Learn all you need to know about the safe, ethical, and responsible use of ayahuasca for healing and awakening. Meet the wisdom keepers, space holders, and guardians of this powerful plant ally. Hear directly from the people about their ayahuasca healing experience. To embark on your healing journey or to start a new career in psychedelic assisted therapy, go to my website avatarhealingarts.com and get in touch with me. Thank you for liking, subscribing and sharing this video. Please leave a comment and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. My name is Nina Itzel and I'm here today with a very special person, Noah, who really shared his journey with me in the last two years. And I was really honored to witness like this huge transformation that he went through thanks to the medicine and the deep committed integration and deep healing work that he was committed to do and still doing today so yeah we just wanted to share <clears throat> some uh, points of his journey with you in hope that it will inspire you give you hope and uh, just you know answer maybe some questions you may have so here's Noah so welcome Noah thank you so much for coming today and sharing your journey with us and with our audience <laughs> And uh, yeah, I met you uh, a long time ago, actually, uh, in September 2021. So it's almost two years ago. Yeah. And uh, at that time, you you had kind of like a escape plan, so to say, and and you were dealing with some serious struggles and challenges. Can can you tell us about that? Can you remember that time? Yeah. Um, I've been kind of carrying the weight of not really wanting to live since I was very young. Um, around puberty, 14 years or so. And um, I think when we first start really processing our emotions for the first time and realizing that there are these things that, um, you know, we're going to carry with us and are affecting us, you know, when we we understand that, that temper tantrum or that bad mood um, and have to deal with it. Um, and not just express it. So, you know, a series of circumstances and decisions that I hope that I would never have to make got me to a point of not really being interested in continuing life in the way that I had been living. Um, in my mind, death was really the only thing that could, I don't, I don't know if say with certainty, but um, it seemed like the most sure way to at least relieve myself of the circumstances that I was experiencing here. But my experience with religion and my connection to my internal source and God has let me believe that, you know, death wasn't going to fix any of the problems. In fact, I couldn't be certain that they weren't going to be way worse on the other side. And this wasn't the gentler alternative. <laughs> Um, so by, by connecting with Nina and, um, investigating this, this road or this process with the ayahuasca, um, I've kind of found a new way or a new direction to start living. And although 
the process still isn't as clear as I would like it to be. The work and the steps that I have been doing are starting to be very clear. I guess you could say I, I can't quite see the, the next step in front of me, but I understand very well the steps that got me to this point. And that's something that I can't say in the past. Um, I would really, you know, look up after a long relationship, a new job, a period of growth, and really not understand how I got to the place that I kind of came to or, you know, found a new point of realization or um, kind of checking in with myself and kind of the journey and where I've gotten. So the the first thing is that this process really has put context around the behaviors, the patterns, just the different cycles that we're living in that we're really not aware of. And we're repeating daily and with social media and all of this new stimuli. I mean, it's gotten very dangerous to the point that our mental health is just exhausted. Everyone's is. I don't care who you are. Um, you are exhausted at this point in humanity's um, cycle. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You felt like that exhaustion, right? Big time. And uh, I remember that we had a couple of sessions and uh, you, you, you struggled so much at the time. You had panic attacks every day. You, you had struggled to sleep, like serious depression. So uh, we agreed that you're going to go into a different therapist first. And you did a couple of months of EMDR that really helped you to, to stabilize a little bit and, and to start, you know, getting out of that really dark place where you were kind of stuck for a while. And, uh, and then six months later, you know, you, you came back, you know, the medicine called you back, hey, don't forget about this pad. So, uh, and then, you know, you, the, you had your ceremony almost a year ago, so. Yeah, yeah, so, very close so, to a year. Yeah, so you were preparing for almost a year and being in the integration for almost a year, like a, a lot went into this. But um, <clears throat> what could you say about, you know, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from, from your journey so far? Um. I think my biggest takeaway is that this is the thing that I was missing in my life. I, I want to break that down a little more because it is very broad. But as we just mentioned, I'm coming up on the year process. And in my broken, fragile state, I would have insisted that this year was going to bring some sort of completion or mark that I was healed, I was ready to go back to work, start a new relationship, do any of these things. And really what it opened my eyes to is that this feels more like living than anything I've done in the past. And I can't imagine now living my life without continuing to do this work whether every year, every five years, every 10 years, I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that kind of the idea of checking in with the process, sitting with the medicine, and then taking all of the 
the challenges, the lessons, the homework that you get in that ceremony and then applying it to that next period of time. And that's why I can't say one year, five years, 10 years, it might make you might take more or less time depending on that cycle or that lesson that you want to figure out. Um, we all just have so much and we're creating new traumas even when we're trying our best not to. And I, I just have this feeling that this life, this existence is about learning from these and spending as much of our time as we can really getting to know ourselves and mm -hmm. healing in a way that we not might not be able to in another realm, in another dimension or, you know, not having this human container, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. But it's really just brought into focus you know, my relationship with my body, I, I've been practicing yoga for many years, and I did not understand what returning home meant until just recently. One of my mentors was doing some, um, I think, somatic work or just kind of intuitive healing. And, and she was asking me to, to kind of bring up these feelings and wanting to go home in my broken state was what I came up with and you know I was literally thinking I just needed to leave the physical space that I was in and go back to Tennessee where my parents were at and, and start over um, and that was part of the process I think that there's a lot of steps like Nina mentioned that you even have to do before you're even ready to start this journey um, and give yourself grace for those that extra therapy the time it takes the the fear or the the uncertainty and even stepping into this process and 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 sitting with the medicine it's it's a lot and it should be taken very seriously and but can you can you say a little more about your relationship with the body because that's so interesting i think a lot of people can relate you know that you don't fully inside your body and certainly you had some habits in the past like diet wise and other you know that was you know, not the best or happiest choices, maybe, but uh, now, how, how did that change, you know, in the last two years, and how do you feel now about your body and inside your body, and how do you treat your body different now than how you did in the past? Well, I've always been interested in a healthy, active lifestyle. Um, yoga always spoke to me because I suffer from um, a very difficult fascia situation. So I'm, it's kind of like arthritis. I'm just constantly tight and in pain. And through my, my trauma and my childhood experiences, the um, choices that I made in my twenties, my body was never a safe place. Um, and I feel most people are like that. When I look around, especially in um, the United States where I'm from, people are just so unhealthy. They're carrying around extra weight, um, disabilities, mental instability. And what I found was that my body became a war zone. By the, the worst of it, I could not get up in the morning without having a panic attack. That panic attack continued out through the entire day. I might have found seconds instances of some sort of relief but nothing was lasting longer than a moment now for the first time i've really found this comfort and this this um peace it just being in my body and 
I'm really learning to find comfort in uncomfortable situations. For instance, I was walking this morning. Um, I think I was a little nervous preparing for this um, this podcast, to be honest. But you know, my one of my self cares being here in Puerto Morelos is if I feel uneasy, I just go straight to the beach. I, I get as close to the ocean as I can tug my feet down in the sand and really just um, let her support me. Well, I'm, I'm off on my walk and it starts to rain on me. Rain is not comfortable, especially when you, you know, you're half naked walking on the beach <laughs> and you're expecting to be warm and, um, and kind of supported. And all of a sudden you're being attacked. And my immediate response was just, to get out of this feeling as quickly as I can. And then I had a shift and said, no, I'm, I'm here for a reason. This rain is for me. And so I just stopped and kind of embraced it and, and felt the cold sensation on my body and the, the warmth and the security that I had beneath my skin. <laughs> um, I've been scuba diving a lot and that kind of brings you into your body in a similar way. And I just remind myself that, um, I can protect myself from literally any external force if I know how to trust myself and check in and just rely on those skill sets. So, yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know, going with this, I would love uh, you to to say something about that before you know at the beginning of of the process. One of the biggest pattern that you had is was for looking for people to fear the void of being alone. And you were like just not comfortable being with yourself. So how did this change, you know, not just being in your body, but being with yourself, with your own company and your relationship to yourself? Like, can you describe how did that change, you know, during this process? Absolutely. Um, I was horrible with the idea of being alone so much so that I knew it was the greatest detriment to the process that I was going through and even tried to start up a relationship the week before I went into ceremony. <laughs> um, I, I, I had a, a Vedic astrology reading and the, the teacher showed me that relationships were, were my karma in this world and that was the way that I was going to learn most. So for most, I would, I would not recommend um, relationships during this integration process. <laughs> but for me, um, I think it was almost impossible or inevitable that, that they were going to be there. Um, the medicine really starts to give you these tests and these lessons, this homework that weave into your daily existence. And mine started by trying to be codependent before I even sat with the medicine, showing how little faith I really had in myself to get through this process. And I made every excuse, you know, I'm never going to meet someone like that again. It's perfect, this, that, and the other. And a year in retrospect, I can definitively say that it was import an important mirror for me in the process, but there was nothing about that that was necessary or anything but an excuse. Um, I've had several other relationships, um, friends, platonic, romantic, throughout this integration. 
and it's really cool to check in and see how my um, dependence has changed. The reasons that I would want to have someone else's energy in my space, the need to have that energy because I literally couldn't bear to be alone with my own energy to now um, I'm starting to to give my I'm starting to people please with myself. I'm I'm starting self-love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm starting to practice this thing we call self-love. I haven't identified it yet, obviously, but um but yeah, I just I'm seeing situations in which I know that I could either be helpful or show up for someone and in the past I would neurotically do it. And now I'm really checking in and, and asking myself more important questions. You know, are they in danger? Are they hurting? Do they really need this? Are they just using this as their own codependent situation? Will they be there tomorrow? Can I call them in the morning? Um, does that message need to be answered right away? And it's what I was thinking about before I came over, and I think the way that that I can best describe this process is that we're sewing with invisible thread. And it is very, very difficult to create something that you can't see and have complete trust. You know, maybe this is a parachute. Maybe we're sewing our parachute with invisible thread and we're about to jump off the cliff and we have to trust that all of these practices, all of these modalities, all of these things that we've been working on are going to show up and support us when we need them most. And that's what I'm starting to find because it didn't make sense. Loving yourself, um, being at home in your body, um, being able to exist without that partner, being okay if that partner never came. These weren't concepts that I could process mm -hmm. now when I am alone or when I get that feeling that I need something um, substances have been a big part of my life um, I'm starting to see that myself shows up instead of these substances mm -hmm. and I can't really again I can't describe it or paint the picture as well as I would like to and I know that's because I'm still in the process but I'm getting more confidence every time I see myself show up and the inner child work is just becoming so powerful <laughs> um, because I think that's really where a lot of this being alone comes from is that we never really learned how to process those emotions without turning to mom and dad, the TV, something and now, for the first time in my life, I am learning who I am and not being told who I am. Aww. I'm figuring out what I want. Um, and I'm I'm using these tools. And it's just, it's really powerful. At the beginning of your journey, you felt like this deep insecurity and feeling lost and not knowing what to do or which direction to take, what is your purpose, what you are here to do and what the future holds or will bring. And there was a lot of fear and anxiety around this, right? An obsession about trying to find out or figure out. 
how do you feel about the future right now? Like, how do you feel looking forward? The real world response is that, yes, I was, I was terrified. I had such low confidence and self-esteem that I couldn't imagine even providing for myself, getting a job, working a job, the, the despair and the depression I had made that an impossibility for me. What I've found in discovering that home is in my body is that once you make that your nest and you get comfortable, it doesn't matter what you're doing. That's why monks are able to go sit in silence for extended periods of time or give up all of these luxuries of modern day life. It's because they've gotten so comfortable in their home, in their body, that they don't need anything else. And in fact, they've gotten so good at it that they're able to then selflessly start showing up for anyone or anything that commands their energy more than their balance or their peace. And that's what I'm really discovering. And what um, Nina, what you have been um, explaining to me is that the desires of our ego and our old self are very unlikely to be the things that we still hold on to after we've discovered who we really are. So with that, most of your fears are going to be wrapped around what got you to this point in life. And ultimately, we're trying to get away from what got you to this point in life. <laughs> so trusting that you know, not only is that invisible thread making a parachute that will catch you whenever you get pushed off the cliff, it's also sewing together a suit of armor that will protect you from literally anything that could come your way. Mm -hmm. um, I've been wrestling with death for years now, maybe even my whole life, but these these past two years, it got it got really serious to where I had to really think about what that means. And I think the beauty of the process in this work is that not that you're so egotistical that death doesn't scare you, but you're so mm -hmm. understanding of stepping back into the void of yourself that when that time comes, you'll greet it with open arms. Mm -hmm. I came to a funny realization a few days ago that death is for the living. The only people that are affected by death are the ones that are still mm -hmm. alive. The person that actually died <laughs> is very unlikely to be experiencing any of those emotions, any of those fears, or any of the concerns so that we've got wrapped around this thing. And, and, and so this is, this is a huge topic, you know, because this medicine is the vine of the dead, and, and we always refer to the death and rebirth process, and in your case this death was very uh, tangible you know so to say like do you feel that uh, you have chosen life now or how do you feel about you're still on the fence of you want to be here like what, what's the situation right now um, I think life chose me okay. um, yeah because I haven't done anything that I've 
I've I've I've woken up every day and I've I've done the work. But in my tremendous, let's just say that that is a lot of work that you did and keep continue doing. So let's let's rephrase that. I've done a lot of work to get here, and thanks to that. The the relationship with death, I think, is more intertwined in the idea that I think this ayahuasca experience is so important for continual growth i think that the only death i fear at this point is going back to living the way that i was because that seems like the ultimate death <laughs> um where i'm at now death just isn't really relevant oh that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah, um, totally different note, but I want to talk to you about a little bit some substances because you had some pretty serious trips, you know, with some, some heavy substances, opiates and pills and some pharmaceuticals. And I know that probably a lot of people can relate to that. So can you tell a little bit about this, about like how, what was your struggle with those and where are you now in, in regards to those substances? Um, I've been on most of the substances um, for extended periods of time. Um, heroin was probably the strongest or the one that most would identify with um, dysfunction or really the, the bottom, as they say um have been a cigarette smoker since i was 15 or 16 um used cannabis for the past 20 years alcohol very regularly six pack a night for most of my life um and any sort of pharmaceutical i could get to try to kind of quiet whatever this is that i've been feeling and it really goes back to that anxiety i I think that I've had this anxiety since I was very young, probably learner, yep, probably earlier than I would pinpoint it. But I know since that adolescence, um, prepubescent age where my hormones started going, um, the anxiety showed up and it's always been there. Um, I feel like I did a good job of numbing it to a tolerable level, which is what most people do that haven't really tried to wrestle with their demons or, or look deeper into um, the things that aren't working in their life. So through that, I've been through the cycles of, you know, um, dysfunctional using recreational psychedelics, um, constant cannabis use through periods of abstaining. Um, I grew dreadlocks down to my waist for about 10 years and um, was adamant about not even taking an aspirin or any type of pharmaceutical until my circumstances in life shifted. And then I found myself worse off than I was before I, um, you know, had this period of great willpower. And that's one of the, the main themes that Nina has been expressing to me is that you might have willpower and you might have it for a long time, but whenever that right circumstance or situation happens, you're not going to have the tools and 
what addicts know is that when you go back, you don't go back a little bit. And that's when it gets very, very dangerous. So for me, it's been a really interesting experience. Um, I have been off of the hard drugs. I don't really drink alcohol much anymore. Um, coffee and cigarettes and cannabis have been kind of my main ones. And I wouldn't say that they've been any less harmful than the hard drugs. Um, they were just easier to ignore or those, the problems they were causing in my life were easier to ignore. And that's what really got real in this process because I knew I wanted them out of my life. I knew they were things that, um, that weren't benefiting my health, that weren't making me happier and were definitely adding to my anxiety, depression, and just overall imbalance. Um, I'm now on day five, I think, without any nicotine at all. And it's really beautiful how that happened because I didn't stop intentionally. I forgot to take nicotine that day and was like, oh, that was a big change. Um, coffee was another huge one. It took me over a year to get caffeine out of my system. And I'm still going back a little bit. But that relationship to not having something, to being able to just forget about it. If you have an addiction, you know very well the chances of you forgetting you had that addiction are pretty um, pretty impossible and definitely unbelievable. And that's kind of what happened over this past year. And, and let's say that even under difficult circumstances when in the past you would have return taking some pills for example you didn't like yeah yeah absolutely was that like how 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 did you manage to to deal with it a different way this time um healthy coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. for sure um lifestyle has everything to do with it and that's when i say that that i didn't do anything to get to this point because literally the things that i were doing were so um, I don't want to say easy, but they were so obtainable. Just make better choices with your food. Start writing down the feelings that you're having or the places that you're getting stuck or the cycles that you're going through. When you do crave a cigarette or or whatever it is that you need, have it if you need to, but but understand why you're having it and and really think about it. Don't just do it. Mm-hmm. And I I really didn't see an end to this process. And that's what I'm really so grateful and would love to be able to spend another few hours diving in deeper <laughs> with you all because it was a magic trick. Another episode. Yeah. I, but but uh, I think a good way maybe to show it to people, I mean, you already said so much, but um, can we share your prayer for the ceremony? Of course. Like, like I, I have it so you can read it to sure. the people and and then you know just just tell us about that that this is what you asked for and where are you now and I think that will show them a little bit you know about your journey. Dear mother, thank you for this opportunity to heal, learn, awaken, and remember. I am here present, open to your love and guidance. Thank you for helping me to understand what freedom is. 
Thank you for showing me how to feel comfortable with myself, love and accept myself, see myself for who I truly am, trust myself above all else. Thank you for showing me my power and magnificence. Thank you for teaching me how to stay grounded and not get lost, showing me what I need to see so I can move forward on my path with ease and confidence. Thank you for helping me to see the roots of my addictions, my suffering, and thank you for showing me how to uproot them. Thank you for teaching me about inner guidance. Thank you for teaching me about healthy relationships with myself and others. Thank you for showing me how to feel safe in my body, in this life, on this earth, how to feel connected. Thank you for showing me my gifts and the best way I can serve the world. Thank you for showing me my next steps and align with my higher path. Thank you. I love you. Oh, such a beautiful prayer. So do you feel that the mother ayahuasca answered your prayer? And if so, how? Um, again, it's, it's, it's a magic trick because even a few weeks ago, things hadn't shifted into place where I could see as clearly as I do now. And um, you having me read that last night in preparation was just, um, it was powerful. Um, and again, it was so subtle because those things that seemed like the most that I could ask for a year ago just seem like so little now, <laughs> like, like how, like, yeah, of course I want all of these things. Um, and it kind of goes back to to what I was describing earlier, my experience with the medicine is really that I've just got so much more to work on. And now that I've done it in a way that I've found that self-love, now it's really exciting work. Mm. And it is pushing me into that next step and the next process. Um, I've been trying or, or I've had a desire to to teach yoga and to lead retreats. I've got certifications and have literally traveled around the world trying to figure out how to make this possible. But I knew that until I could step into my authentic self that I, I, I just wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be realistic. Well, from time to time, I'll make posts to my audience on social medias just to kind of gauge who's with me, if, if anyone is getting anything out of me sharing my journey and, and you know, my pain being vulnerable. And yesterday, I, I made a, a post saying that I don't know how, I don't know when, where, why, but I know I want to start um, holding space for healing retreats, for trauma recovery, um, just kind of an intro to the work that we're doing here. But I just left it up as a placeholder. I said, I don't know how this financially would be possible. I don't know who would show up. I don't know anything other than I believe this can happen and I'm going to make this post. So next year, Facebook reminds me that I set this intention. Well, someone messaged me and they want to go on my yoga retreat. I had to let them know that I didn't actually have a retreat yet. <laughs> but I feel that's the, that's the way that the medicine's working. Um, and the beautiful part is now I don't have this need to host a retreat immediately. I can just be really excited and stoked that that it's possible. Someone literally validated that this can happen. 
And I think that's how the, the medicine starts to gently steer you into that place that you're supposed to be. And it gives you little breadcrumbs that and, and for you this this path was very clear you know that you want to serve others you know to to heal themselves to change their life this was like even from the beginning you know you were somewhat clear on that and you just got so much more confirmation on this right along the yes yeah um definitely so uh how do you think that um the container helped you doing all this work like you know lots of people just associate doing ayahuasca with going for a ceremony but you do did this extensive preparation integration work you are still just finishing you know your program and um and you had like, I don't even know, but like like 40 or 50 sessions for sure, you know, at least. And uh, how these sessions and this container and this personal guidance was, was helpful for you through your journey? Um, well, I think as humans, we're very forgetful. <laughs> and I think that to say that you have to have ayahuasca in order to heal would be a stretch. But what ayahuasca has done is given me this lens to see these narratives and patterns that were happening all around me that I couldn't recognize. It's almost like a highlighter just went over all of these points of notes and made a cliff notes for my life on the things that I had to change or I was never going to be satisfied and I was never gonna find that joy. So without the ayahuasca, it would be a stretch to say that you would be able to, to hone in on everything that's happening or everything that you could be seeing. I had five therapists in 2001 or in <laughs> 21. Literally every day of the week, I was going for a different type of therapy. And what I was going for through all of those therapies was hoping that one of those people was going to be able to show me the thing that I was looking for that the ayahuasca makes very present. By doing the follow-up and the integration work, you're able to take these big lessons and then start weaving the, them through everything that happens on a daily basis because generally people can't put their life on hold completely to focus on this work. If you can, absolutely. I think it's the best thing you could ever do for yourself. Um, but I realized that that's, that's not practical. And I do feel that this is important for more people than just those that can do it in this very specific way. So the, the therapy is giving you some context in which to view all of these lessons that otherwise are just the ups and the downs. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I came across, I just posted online was that, you know, the, you don't know if something's good or bad, usually until long after this, the situation has happened, because you don't know what change that's gonna um, instigate next. And I feel like without the ayahuasca, it was much easier to look at everything as good or bad. Did I win today or did I fail today? Am I a winner? Am I a loser? 
and now you're asking the good questions which is what can i learn from this yeah story? yeah why why did it decide to rain on me right now in the yeah. middle of my my mental health walk <laughs> and and you really just learn that nothing bad can ever happen um again death is for the living once you die you're not you're not really looking back or so i would imagine and I think that's similar with uh, the medicine and the road that we're going on. Once you, right. once you accept this, you, you can't go back to living in that manner. And my experience has been that not only do I want to continue with this, but I see it as being a very powerful tool to continue using um, for the rest of my life. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm, I'm very grateful to have it. And I, I do believe that this is only the beginning of my process. <laughs> totally. The big journey. Okay. So, um, the, the daily journaling, you know, the practices that you're doing, coming to the sessions on a regular basis, you know, taking a different perspective, you know, having another pair of eyes, right, on your process, because oftentimes we don't see your blind spots, right? This was all part of your journey, and uh, you came such a long way in these two years, you know, from the beginning when it was this despair, fear, you know, terror, depression, anxiety to a, a state of trust and excitement for the future, being joyful, being being at home in your life, in your body, being open to what life is uh, has in store for you, right? And just so much more connected to yourself and to your uh, not just to your body, but to your mind, to your soul, to your heart, right? To your emotions. And uh, from that very lost, confused place, coming to this, some type of clarity or direction at least, right? Even yeah. if it's not 100%. Like, like, how do you feel about yourself now, you know, when you are looking back what what you did and what you have been through? I kind of got an interesting thought when you were saying that. Before I did this, I was ready to die. And you did in a way. And I did it's in a way. It's so funny, no? <laughs> now that I've done this, I couldn't imagine dying before I'd done this. <laughs> so now I'm ready to die in a whole new, <laughs> yeah, a whole new manner. Um, and when you did that, you know, I mean, you are a different person. Do you feel like that? That you are absolutely. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm I'm living for the first time. Um, I did want to make a note on the journals because they were difficult for me in times. Um, I never really go back and read them, and I haven't really understood how they could be a tool for me until I got into a relationship that I cared about. <laughs> and then I decided, oh, well, you know, we're in a new relationship. There are always these things we want to say we're holding in. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just write about. Them. And then once I started writing about them, it gave me kind of a roadmap to look back and say, okay, well, how is this making me feel? And then that allowed me to check in with myself while I'm having this new experience. And it just became such a powerful tool. 
Um, so I just thought it was really cool. And that's something I just discovered in the past couple of days. And again, back to my comment, I'll, I'll try to make up for it a few more times and that I didn't do anything because I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I was doing all of the work and yes, it was very hard and there was a lot, but, but I just didn't, I didn't feel it. And then once it starts to click and you look back at all these little steps you took and all these little things that you did, and not only do you appreciate them, but then you know how to use them. No one told me to start making a journal for my new relationship. I just said, I think it would be good to have these thoughts and emotions here. So I have a point of reference. Yeah, you have the tools and you are using your tools. Yeah. Right? You have awareness and and that is that is so beautiful. So what would you say to people who are struggling in their life and they feel also called to this particular plant medicine, the ayahuasca? What would your message be? Um, that if you feel called, you've probably already made the decision. Um, don't overthink it if this is where you're supposed to be and if you're listening to this right now <laughs> it probably is um then it'll find you um you will make your way to the jungle you will experience this process and it will happen in a way that was designed for you you're not going to do it the way that i did it and you're not going to do it the way that nina did it um there is some some ideas some pointers that have been discovered along the way like taking time to come down here for a month after your ceremony and sit with yourself extending that as long as you can financially to really give the process all that it can but in ever whatever way it needs to happen for you it will so just respect that call and start holding space and preparing and and getting ready because um it is the adventure of a lifetime <laughs> and it is it's it's what really get a guide get get help oh absolutely don't do it on your own yeah <laughs> do do not do it on your own um that i do have a lot of experience <laughs> with and is how i ended up here um so yeah i i, I think that I will go back to to saying that we're we're very forgetful as humans and having a coach having somebody that will ensure that you make it to the point when it clicks is the most important thing because you will fall off guaranteed <laughs> if you try to do this on your own you will not make it you'll have a, a really fun few weeks or a month and then it's going to get dark <laughs> um, so true. it's so nice that you can laugh on it now and you know it's you have this different perspective yeah having been on the other side right and to make a note again i did it the process was too much for me in the beginning i had intended on sitting with the medicine and i was unable so we took a break and I did what I could to get myself to that point of stability because, again, Nina had left me with some tools that I was able to continue using. And then when the time was right, it was really right. And it we knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was time. So understand that 
the the timeline is not immediate and you might need to work through some things in order to to get to this point so give yourself grace and and time and and trust that that you're on your way to to healing trust the process yeah thank you so much noah for sharing so deeply and we are looking forward to the new chapter and the new podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Muchas gracias. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Noah and you feel inspired. And if you're called to the medicine, please go to our new website, avatarhealingarts.com and get in touch with me. And I'm so looking forward to welcome you on this journey. And I hope that this information was useful for you. Please leave in the comments if you have any questions, if you would like to propose a topic that we shall talk about on the podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. Have a wonderful, beautiful, magical day. Thank you for listening and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. Help us grow our community by sharing this episode with your friends and subscribe to our channel to receive the latest on ayahuasca assisted therapy. To embark on your healing journey or to start a new career in psychedelic assisted therapy, go to my website, avatarhealingarts.com and get in touch. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode.